0: Or that we would just believe that. Man, if we would believe that, that takes care of everything. There is power in the blood of the Lamb. Man, we're going to be talking about part of that tonight as we're moving closer and closer to our celebration of Passover that's coming up this Friday evening. We pray that you'll be here. Pastor Radika went over all that. And it's just going to be a tremendous time. But we couldn't do any of this had it not been for the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. We, could, we would have no hope, no, no deliverance, no uh, redemption. There would be nothing, nothing, had it not been for the blood of the Lamb of God, the great sacrifice provided in His atonement, everything that is ours. Are you claiming all of your provisions through Christ? Or are you just saying, let Him be crucified in vain? No. Proclaim the promises of God. Hold on to the promises of God. Declare the promises of God. Walk in the promises of God because they are already determined, yes and amen, in Christ Jesus. Now, if Christ has been booted off of His throne and He is no longer King of kings and Lord of lords, then those promises may waver. But let me tell you what, He is still in charge. Hallelujah. He is still Lord. Amen? Amen. Is He Lord in your life? Is He Lord over your household? Is He Lord over your marriage? Is He Lord over your children? Is He Lord over your finances? That's what you want to determine because where He's Lord, His promises are yeah and amen. He backs them up. 100% guarantee. 100%. Amen? Amen. If you would turn with me to Luke chapter 22 this evening in our Bible study as we are preparing for the spring feast, thank God For His feasts He has given to us, He continually reminds us. Before we go to that, if we would go to the feast, uh, the seven feasts, if you could put that up for me, there we go. I don't see it on my monitor, so I'm going to have to turn around and look on this monitor. And, uh, but you see here, we're just beginning. We're, just, we're right here. This is uh, brand new uh, for, for all of us as we're moving forward into the spring feast. And you see, Passover is definitely the beginning of that because it all begins with Jesus. It all begins with His blood. It all begins with His sacrifice. And Passover takes care of that corresponds with the crucifixion, I've got the time of the year that the scripture gives us that uh, that should be in, and scriptural evidence for each of those in Old Testament and New Testament, and how they're fulfilled, and then uh, Passover, and then we have unleavened bread, and that is the burial of Jesus, and we're going to be talking about some of that tonight. And then, first fruits, three days later, the resurrection of Jesus. Thank God that when He gave His life, He was willing, He also had the power to take it up again. That we're not serving a dead God. Amen. Every other religion has a dead God, every other religion has a stone or a stick or something dumb that can't speak. But our God is still speaking to His people. Have you heard Him talk to you lately? If you're not, it's because because you hadn't got quiet before Him. Let me tell you, He's always speaking. He's always speaking. He is a speaking spirit. He created us to be speaking spirits. And He wants to commune with us in relationship. So how exciting is that? And then, you know, uh, 50 days later, Pentecost, as that was the birthday of the church. And and we'll be looking at the four spring feasts uh, as we're coming into Passover, and then up to 50 days from the resurrection to Pentecost, Uh, Then we've got us, the church age, where we come in to the picture here, where God brings us in uh, from Pentecost, birthing the church. Jesus said, I'll build it, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I still want to be a part of that devil-crushing, gates-of-hell-destroying church. I don't want to be lukewarm. I don't want to be indifferent. I don't want to forget my power. I I don't want to get lazy. I want to be right on the front line of doing what God's called us to do. And part of us reaching out and inviting folks that maybe are wandering out there lost, aimless, don't know the Lord, don't know the love of God, know about God, heard about Him in America here, maybe have have a wrong concept of some of the sick... Um, you know, comedy shows that, that that puts a disparaging light on Christianity, and maybe that's their concept of church and cr- concept of Christ and God. But all oh, that they could encounter the true and living God, and you might be the answer to their unspoken prayer. Maybe they've not even known how to pray, and you are going to be God sent to their lives and invite them to come be a part of a living church, a vibrant church a church where they can come to know Jesus Christ and grow in the favor and the knowledge of Him and His Word. Amen? So we are, we've got a job to do in this church age. And Jesus says, I'm coming back. And, and, and I'm telling you, He is coming back. Uh, you need to be watching and waiting and ready for Him at any time. Paul said, I expect Him at any moment, but if He doesn't come back, He's going to find me. When He does come back, faithful. I'm going I'm to occupy as Jesus commanded us to do. And then we'll go into the fall feast, and those are yet to be fulfilled. The Feast of Trumpets, the Feast of Atonement, the Feast of Tabernacles. And we'll be looking at those in detail as those times of the year, year comes along. But, but tonight we're preparing for Passover. So I've entitled this message, The Power of Preparation. Sometimes if we're not careful, we just want the things of God to fall on us. We want the things of God to chase us down, or we turn around a corner and unexpectedly, there's our miracle, there's our breakthrough, there's our advancement, there's what we've been praying for. But there we see throughout the Scriptures is this part that God has called us to participate in, and there's things He He wants us to do in preparation. So we're going to look at how the Scripture reinforces, even through Passover, the power of preparation. So Luke chapter 22 and verse 7. Then came the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed, and Jesus sent Peter and John. Who did he send? Peter, Peter and John. I believe that's significant. We'll talk about that. Saying, Go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Where do you want us to prepare? You want us to prepare, Lord? Where do you want us to go and prepare for it, they asked. And he replied, as you enter the city, there will be a man carrying a jar of water, will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters and say to the owner of the house, the teacher asks, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs, all furnished. Make preparations there. I want you to hear that in your spirit. Jesus, this is the words of Jesus. Make preparations there. So they left and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. They did what? "...prepared the Passover." Now this is a picture, they say, is that upper room in Jerusalem. So this is probably, if it wasn't, they're lying to us, and it should probably look something like this. But it was in this room that Jesus gave command for Peter and John to go and to prepare the Passover. The day before the crucifixion, the day before the blood of the Passover lamb, the Son of God was going to be shed, He said, it is so important that I'm choosing you, Peter, and I'm choosing you, John. You must go to Jerusalem and prepare for Passover in this house where you're going to, it's going to you see you're going to have a man bringing water into it, and He's going to take you to the upper room. Now, many times I believe throughout the New Testament we see where Peter and John were partnered together by the providence of God or by the command of Jesus Christ as we see in this occasion. Now, I always see, when I see something like that, any pattern in the Bible, I dig into it because I know the Lord has a pattern there for significance. There's a deeper meaning there. So I look at Peter and I see it's Peter. Is, represents the revelation of faith. If you remember in Matthew 16 and 17 when Jesus was asking who do men say that I am? And it was Peter who said, you are thou art the Christ. You are the Christ the son of the living God and and Jesus said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but it's revelation of my Father. You've received revelation of my Father. So that he is known as one who gets the revelation of faith. I believe that's why on the day of uh, Pentecost, it was Peter who got the revelation of the salvation message and full of the Holy Ghost and its power and revelation. He gives that sermon on the day of Pentecost and 3,000 are saved and the church is birthed and launched forth on the revelation of faith. Then there's John. Peter and John, Jesus has commissioned to go. And he is definitely, and most people would always agree, the revelation of love, the love of God, the grace of God. John is the book of love. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. So here we see the revelation of faith is partnering up with the revelation of love and we understand in the scriptures that faith works through love and it is going up. Now God wants to take us up I don't believe God wants us to go down to hell. He doesn't want us to go down in misery. He doesn't want us to go down in defeat. He has given us the victory. He takes us from glory to glory, from faith to faith. I believe the direction of God is up. Look up unto the hills from where your help comes from. Yes, our help comes from the Lord. So so we see faith, which Peter is representing faith, working through love, where John represents love. They go up to the upper room, to make way for Passover. So here's faith, Peter, working through love, John, to go up to the upper room. There's another place in the Scripture right after Pentecost where we see one of the first miracles of physical healing in the new church age. And there again, Peter and John, they are going to the temple at the hour of prayer, if you'll remember that. And they're going up, at the hour of prayer, and there's a lame man there from his mother's womb, and Peter, through the power of God, helps a man who's never walked before get up and begin to walk, leap, dance, and and worship the Lord. So I believe that uh, Peter and John, faith and love working together opens up things for us that may have been closed before. So it's great to have faith, and, and I know sometimes we want to stir our faith, and we want to build our faith, and we want to hear the Word of God so that through hearing our faith will come. But we must not forget that while Peter is very important, Jesus says Peter and John, and there John represents love. So we have to go to Galatians 5 and 6, and we must see how the Word of God works together without violating. And in Galatians 5 and 6, he says, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything. He said, what you're going to get through the anointed one, what you're going to get through the anointing is going to come with faith working through love. So if you want everything that's in the atonement that Jesus Christ has provided for you, it will come to you working through faith, working through love. So we've got to have Peter and John going up. If there's an area in your life that needs to move up tonight, needs a miracle tonight, needs some advancement tonight, needs a breakthrough tonight, we've got to have our faith, but we've got to do it through love. Come on now. Somebody give me some love in this house so we can truly go forward. Amen. 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 So here's Peter and John. Faith and love. They go up to Jerusalem because Jerusalem is the highest place in that region so any direction you go to it you have to go up. They go up to Jerusalem, Jerusalem the city of peace, Shalom, where there's nothing broken and nothing missing. I pray tonight as I even preach this message and teach this word that your faith coupled with your love for God and your love for truth and your love for the miracle working power of God manifested in your life will help you move up into your Jerusalem into your Shalom where there is Nothing broken and there is nothing missing. I declare and decree over you even now that the shalom of God would come into your home and the shalom of God would come into your body. That the shalom of God would come into your mind. That the shalom of God would come into your family, would come into your business, would come in. Nothing broken and nothing missing. I release that word on you even now. I smear that word on you. Shalom. That God would help you by faith and love Come up into your place of shalom. And in that place of shalom, he's going to take us to an upper room. So it's not just just, just staying there at, uh, at the regular level. He even has elevation for you in shalom. Hallelujah. So in other words, he wants to do above and beyond that which you could ask or think. He doesn't want to just meet your expectation. He wants to supersede your expectation. you got to believe God for that. You say, well, here's my plans that I had made. And, 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 and now you lay them before the Lord. And you say, as we make our plans and give them to the Lord, He'll direct our steps. you got to know, you've got to get ready to call. Some steps when he says he will direct your steps. I don't believe he means just steps going horizontal. I believe he's talking about steps going up 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 to Jerusalem up to the upper room because God wants to take you higher than you can even imagine. I remember when I had a plan to get married. I gave God the plan, and I told him what wife I wanted. I told him, I didn't know she was going to be Romanian. That was one of those blessings. I had no clue. I didn't even know there was a Romania. You know, I grew up in the farms of South Carolina. What do we know about Romania in the farms of South Carolina? Unless it was a Romanian chicken or a Romanian cow, which I never heard of one, that would have been the only way I would have known about a Romania. okay. So I gave God my plans for a wife. And I said, Lord, here's what I want. Well, guess what? He exceeded anything I could have even dreamed of. He he, he made her so pretty that I still stop and say, pinch myself. You know, i got bruises on me all the place here. I'm pinching myself. Saying, is this thing true? And and I wanted her to love the Lord. But here, she doesn't just love the Lord. She preaches the Word. She's got passion. She's writing books. She's counseling people. And it's all coming from a deep, rooted love of God that is not limited to mankind. And I wanted her to be a, a good mama and give me three kids. And I had them named. I wanted a Townsend and I wanted a Morgan and I wanted a Caleb. And I was thinking two boys and a girl. Well, God gave me a boy, girl, boy. He knew what he was doing. And he gave me all of them in their names, fit their names. Rudy because I don't come up with any other names because that means I got to get pregnant again. Okay. So, and then I said, I want us to be able to pay our bills and not have to worry about uh, our money. You know, I don't want that to even be a thought in our lives that, we're, that, that we never for sale. If God says, say it, we'll say it. If God says, do it, we'll do it. I don't want us to ever be in a position, God, and this is my plan, where that you know I feel like someone can come in and say, well, I'm, I'm, I give this or I do this, and if you don't do this... Then I'm going to pull my support, and I didn't want to be a politician like that. And I wanted to be able to minister for God with liberty and freedom, and and just enjoy that. And the Lord has exceeded that beyond anything I could have imagined. And then I wanted I wanted our children to love God. I I grew up in a dysfunctional home, and and if you go see, I can only imagine. Let me tell you what that's 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 baby talk. That's minor compared to some of the stuff I grew up in. And 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 there uh, I, I said I want to. I want a wholesome home. I want a happy home. I want my children to want to serve you, God. I don't want to make them. I don't want to force them. I don't want no wild PKs, you know, preacher's kids. I said, Lord, I want them to lead and you just have a heart to lead in, in serving you. And oh my goodness, he just it's not moving steps forward. It's all steps up. It's better than I could imagine. I think if I was to ever want to play hooky, the kids would say, okay, Dad, you stay home, but we're still going to church. We got we got some praise get." On because we've been in the music room praising the Lord in our inner sanctuary in the home, and and this thing's spilling over. We got to get into church and do it as well. Thank God for children like that from the smallest to the oldest. I'm telling you, God is good. And people tell me, I had somebody say, you got to come and talk to me because you've got such wisdom. I said, really? I said, where do you get that from? Well, we see this in your life and we see that in your life and we see the other thing in your life that it's just all together. We want to know how you did it. And I tell them, let me tell you what, I can't take credit for this. I said, let me tell you, all I did is put some faith and love together. And I came to a God who wants to take us up and I'm believing Him for, the, for moving up. I'm believing Him from glory to glory. I'm believing Him from faith to faith. And, and you know what? He's a God that's already said He's going to meet all of our needs according to His riches and glory. He's a God who's already said, I sent my word and healed all your diseases. He's, all, he's a God who already said, I am Jehovah Jireh, your God, your provider. I am Jehovah Rapha, your God, your healer. He has already said all of my promises are yes and amen. And let me tell you, I just, I just want to give Him the credit it and get you excited get you excited to go up to the next level to go up in the Lord now is there warfare in that trip yes there is they came in and crucified Jesus there's real warfare But let me tell you what, I want to encourage you in the midst of the battle. Don't lay down your armor. Don't lay down your weapons. Don't lose hope and don't give up. Because I've read the end of the book, and if we stay in the fight, we're going to win. If you'll stay in the marriage, you're going to win. If you're going to stay committed in the finances, you're going to win. If you stay committed in serving God, you're going to win! Do you hear what I'm saying? So don't lose heart and don't lose hope and don't give up. Let God help you go up but in going up Peter and John had to go and make preparation so there may be some preparation there may be some things that you and I need to do so I want us to look at several things that we might could apply to our lives because the first thing we see is Jesus told them to go and prepare the place go and prepare the place Now in Jesus' day, the Jewish people celebrated Passover based on the Old Testament teaching and instruction because they didn't have the New Testament written for them at that time. And that's why they ate the Passover lamb on the 14th day of the first month. And Leviticus 23 and 5 gives us specific instructions on that. That uh, was the first month which, which the Jews called Nisan. And uh, it covered between mid-March uh, and, and mid-April. And that kind of falls into our calendar. And that, the dates change on our calendar because our Gregorian calendar is not synced with uh, the Hebraic calendar that God was addressing in the Old Testament here. So we see that the 14th day, there was a very important day and a very significant day to the Jewish people because it was the day that the Lord had commanded Moses to lead God's people to celebrate the first Passover on that exact day back in Exodus 12 and 6. And the name comes from that you remember that plague that was coming, that final plague that was coming on Egypt, and God told Moses, if you'll go and take this lamb, and you'll, you'll keep this lamb, a little lamb under a year old, without spot, without blemish, you take this lamb four days in your home, and you take care of that lamb, and then on this particular day, I want you to take and, and kill the lamb, and then he gave specific instructions, and one of those was to take a hyssop branch and dip it in the blood, and put it over the doorposts and the lentils of each home, and he says, when the death angel passes this night and will see the blood, there will be no death to the firstborn in this home. The death angel will pass over this home and spare this home, this, this horrible loss and setback, when I see the blood, I will pass over. And that's where we get the Feast of Passover. So it was very specific that God said you do it on this particular day, and it is still to this day uh, we're seeing how it lines up with the fulfillment of the Scriptures. And uh, so there, to help them remember this, that God said He never wanted them to forget, He set up the Feast of Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread in Exodus chapter 12. You can read about all the details uh, uh, of that so that you can get a better understanding of exactly the historical point from which all of this comes. Now, with the Jewish people, Passover was being observed in two places. First, it was observed in their homes, and you see that in Exodus 12 where they gathered their family together. They gathered together, and if there was uh, too much for them to eat with their family, they could partner with others so that that nothing was wasted, and they would pull their families together in the homes. But we know that also in Jerusalem, especially once Solomon had constructed the temple in Jerusalem, that became a central location of Passover. Huge crowds would uh, squeeze into Jerusalem every year for this celebration is they would make a pilgrimage to Jerusalem for the feast of Passover. And many historians of that day had speculated that there would be as many as 2.7 Jewish people coming together uh, streaming into Jerusalem for this festival or this feast. Now, now I from the Myrtle Beach area I grew up in South Carolina and lived here for 26 years now in the Virginia Beach area and we know what it is to have the tourists come in and uh, millions of people can come in that which is normally easy highways to tra- traverse is now backed up and you try to go you, you avoid going down to the, the boardwalk because it's just crazy and and uh, people are coming here from the mountains and coming here from other places because of the beaches So that's kind of what was going on in Jerusalem, but what was drawing them there was this great feast of Passover as these Jews were coming in. I can only imagine the difficulty associated with trying to prepare for Passover with all this traffic and with all this noise and with all the resources being taken up by all the guests and the tourists that were in town. So finding a place was probably quite a challenge. But here Jesus tells them to go and He, he undoubtedly by His Spirit or in some way had prepared this And reserved this room, and he told them how to go and find it, so that they could prepare for the Passover. So he continued to. uh, we, We see Jerusalem continued to be the focal point even after Jesus was crucified for Passover for decades until the Romans destroyed the city in 70 AD and destroyed the temple in 70 AD. And then it went back into the homes and the uh, synagogues and so forth that they would see uh, this celebration. But the place has always been very important and it began, and we even see when the temple was destroyed, that the home, the, the, home, the family unit was, was who uh, he was speaking to. Aren't you glad that you're a part of the family of God? That we are brothers and sisters in Christ? That God has prepared a place, and it's not a building, but a place that's in His body. Here. You are here tonight. Let me tell you what. I believe from your, by your investment to be here with your brothers and sisters in the body of Christ, that preparation is being made in and through your life for greater things. You don't even know what God's going to do, but I'm just here to tell you, God's got greater things prepared for you. Because God, He loves it, When His plan comes together. He loves it when you and I, we come together. That's why He said forsake not the assembling together of the saints. Because it's the the heart of God to bring us together for celebration. And bring us together for worship. And to bring us together for the study of His Word. A place is very, very important. We need to prepare the place. That's why we prepare... This physical building, but let me tell you, if we didn't have this physical building, we used to have a little chapel, we prepared that place. And there was times that we were down at Tallwood High School, we prepared that place. There was a time we were down at Centerville Elementary School in their lunchroom, we prepared that place, for as we gathered together, it was all prayed over and ready for us to unite and lift up the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. And then we see that Jesus, uh, as they prepared, they had to prepare the food because there's food involved in this Passover meal. Here you've got some of the pictures of some of the Seder even uh, there for you. We sometimes in years past and we've actually sat down and had the Passover meal, the Seder together and explaining that. We've had the Weisses come in and teach on that as Pastor Weiss uh, would teach on that and then uh, they helped me get a better understanding and I've taught on it and we've had a, a great time in doing that because food was very involved in this Passover meal. So in preparing the Food. They now uh, had to uh, make sure they had no food there in the house with yeast in it. Uh, the commets. They'd go and clean the house and make sure as they prepared the house, prepared the place, and got ready to prepare the food that they didn't have the wrong food there. You better watch what you eat. I believe that is a good message there. You got to watch what you're putting in. To your spirit putting in to you, your life. You listen to lies and those lies will come in and change you. You watch things that violate the morality code of God's word and you listen to things that violate the morality of God's word uh, you, through your eye gate, your ear gate and your mouth let me tell you what, it will corrupt you just like eating poison will destroy your physical body if you eat poison in your spirit man it will destroy your relationship with God and it will destroy your spirit man. you got to be careful. So they would go through the house and they're cleaning and they're looking in the sofa cushion and they're trying to make sure there's no Ritz cracker crumb here, that there's no saltine cracker crumb here, that so-and-so was eating a cookie in the living room and they shouldn't have been eating in the living room, but let's go make sure that some of that cookie had not fallen down somewhere. So they're removing all the commits, this food that is made from yeast, from the home. And during the eight days of Passover, Only food made without yeast could be eaten. And God had given those instructions in Exodus 12 and 15 that they were only to eat this bread uh, that was made without yeast. Its most uh, known unleavened bread that we would think of would be matzah. Uh, And it's this special bread made at Passover. And there's two reasons why the matzah would be the only bread eaten during Passover. The only bread without yeast that they would eat And the historical reason is 3,400 years ago before when the Jewish people were about to be delivered by God's mighty hand from the bondage of Egypt, God told them, I need you to be ready to move at a moment's notice. I need you to be ready to go. When I say go, I need you to be ready to go. Kind of sounds like us getting ready for the rapture, right? And uh, so, so this historically is why they would eat matzah at Passover because it was called the bread of haste. Uh, they, they didn't put yeast in it, didn't have time to wait for the yeast to swell and the bread to rise and all of that stuff. It was the bread of haste because God says to Israel, you came out of the land of Egypt in haste, Deuteronomy 16 and 13 So that would be the historical reason. They didn't have time to wait for it to rise. But scriptural reason that goes on later that God gives details to is the unleavened bread made without yeast because uh, as leaven is placed in uh, to make the bread, it puffs the bread up so that it seems greater than it is. And the scripture consistently uses leaven as a picture of pride, as a picture of sin. And it's a picture of unbelief. So you look throughout the Scripture, even the New Testament shows us that that leaven is equated with pride, being puffed up. Just like this uh, leaven puffs bread up, makes it look bigger and and, and more nutritious than it really is. And uh, so sin puffs us up. Pride puffs us up and unbelief causes us to lose our ability to stand strong on the promises of God. So this is why yeast was not permitted as part of the normal meal offering, even in the, uh, in the tabernacle. Uh, you see that in Leviticus 2 and 11. And uh, Jesus warns us uh, in regards to false teachers. He says this in Matthew 16 and 6. I think I have this scripture for you. He says, watch out and beware of the leaven." of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So he said, be careful, beware, the leaven. He calls their pride, he calls their arrogance, he calls their their blindness to see that the Messiah is right before them, even though they they claim to know the Scriptures and they can recognize the Messiah better than anyone, and they're missing Him, and He's right before their face because of their pride and their unbelief. He said, watch out for their false teachers and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. So, So we see this parallel in being made the yeast had to go the leaven had to go Now when we apply that to our lives there's probably some things in our life we need to examine and I would say it's a great time now as we're preparing for Passover for us to go through our own house. Maybe not our physical house but maybe our physical house but definitely our body that we live in and see in our mind, in our spirit uh, in our soulish man what are we uh, allowing in there that may be violating what God would, would, would be honored with? Are we allowing thoughts and processing things and, and, and through unbelief or through pride or through sin, which is missing the mark of what God has called us to. And if so, as they prepared and they would clean out and make sure all the leaven, all the crumbs was cleaned out of the house, that they could go into Passover with unleavened bread, so we must examine our own lives. And I guarantee you, the ones who would say, ah, everything's okay with me, I could tell you there's a big, big crumb of pride already hanging off your lip. It's not even in the cushion of the sofa. It's hanging right off your lip, and I see it. It's in your beard. It's, and if I say beard, that, that means the men. So let me say women, uh, it would be in your, stuck, on your, stuck on your lipstick. <laughs> there it is, right there. So if I start talking about beard and women, I might get in trouble. So we'll leave that one alone. For a little while, okay. But preparing the food, making sure there's nothing, no, un- no leaven is there, we need to prepare our hearts and our lives. So study yourself. Say, God, help me. Holy Spirit is a spotlight. Holy Spirit will help you spotlight the things in your life that maybe need to be addressed. And I say address them before Friday night. Address them before we gather here for our Passover celebration and don't allow those thought processes and don't allow those things to continue to have their way. And then there is the preparation of heart, which that leads right into uh, from the preparation of food. Because in today's homes, when Passover is observed, the celebration does not begin until all that unleavened stuff is gone. And you and I need to make sure that our homes are clean, but we need to make sure our bodies and our minds are clean as well. And there's never been a day where I've seen the access and availability of the unholy, so so readily available. I have never seen it. It's just it's all around us. It is it is a uh, invitation to lust and an invitation to. Uh, uh, violating authority and an invitation to arrogance and pride all around us. Some people think because they got access to Google they're smarter than anybody. They're smarter than their employer. They're smarter than than, uh, their parents. They're smarter than anybody because they got Google. But guess what? Everything on Google is not true. It'll pull up some stuff that'll tell you this and get a picture of one person's body with another head on it. And you think, wow, they've got cancer and dried up to 110 pounds and they're going to die. Or some of it will even say they already died. And then you find out, wait a minute, that was all a lie. That was all made up. That was Photoshop. So, So what we need to do is draw closer to what and who truth really is. And if you're close to Jesus, who is the truth? Let me tell you what. It will help you identify that which is not so that you don't feast on that which is poison. In our home, uh, I, I think out of all five of us, I probably have the most sensitive uh, smell. I, I, I don't know if it was me raising hound dogs in my life and, and something got on me from the hound dogs and I can just smell. But I got a sensitive smell and if even this day, uh, someone, one of the family members brought something and stuck it under my nose, and it used to scare me when they do that, I was like, what are you going to do, hit me in the face with a pie, or what, but now they're like, smell it, is this good, this good, we found it in the back of the refrigerator, smell it, and, I, and I'm like, I smell it, it's like, yeah, it's good, and uh, so um, that that's what we have to do, we have to we have to make sure we judge things, that we don't just take anything into our lives. and We don't let anything in. if something comes in that's not right, we need to throw it up and throw it out. I say, I don't receive that. That is a lie straight from the pit of hell. I don't receive that. I just throw it right back out. And uh, I, I don't I don't play around. If somebody comes up to me and says, you know what, I had a dream and um, you're gonna die, you're gonna die this year. I say I don't receive that. My, the word of God says I will not die, but I will live and declare the works of the Lord. So I don't be nice to him. Say, oh well, I'm you know maybe you had some pizza. I say, I don't receive that. That's a lie straight from the pit. Of, the devil is a liar. No, I'm just I just had a dream. I'm like, well, I'm glad you're know, glad you was sleeping. Sad you had a dream like that, but it wasn't me it may have been somebody else it wasn't me I'm not dying 2018 is going to be one of the best years of my life 2019 is going to be even better and, uh, and I'm just going to keep living until Jesus returns and if he should tarry, well then I'm going to live to be an old healthy man and then preach a sermon and go home go to sleep and go to heaven and I have to go to sleep in my chair because Pastor Radica said I can't dine to bed with her she don't want no dead man she ain't after no dead man so, so there we go I'd have to go to sleep in my chair praise God So, so Paul tells us in this preparation of heart that it's not just the physical preparation in your home. It has to be in the heart. 1 Corinthians 5, 6 through 8, he says, Your glorying is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? This is New Testament teaching here. Therefore, purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump. I, and I, I said, Lord, just let me call somebody tonight a new lump. Okay, so I'm just praying for you right now that you become a new lump. Yeah. It's right out of the Bible, and it's a good thing, okay? Therefore, purge out the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, since you truly are unleavened. For indeed, Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. So Paul is saying it's not so much about the physical leaven and having unleavened physical bread as it is now a matter of the heart. And in being a matter of the heart, let us not have the leaven of malice and wickedness, but the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. So that's preparing the heart. And then the final one we want to look at tonight is uh, we see as uh, Jesus teaches throughout the Scripture, He also tells us that we need to prepare for His return. We need to prepare for His return. Yes, we prepare the place, we prepare the food, we prepare our heart, but we need to also prepare for His return. And Passover celebration dealt with that because there is one uh, preparation uh, preparation tradition that is recognized among the Jewish people where it's called uh, the herald of the Lord. And what they do is when they gather together, they leave an empty seat along with a cup and a plate left at the table for Elijah the prophet. So if you're ever in a Jewish home, you'll see that empty chair, that empty plate, and that empty cup. That is a seat for Elijah the prophet because Elijah is expected to arrive at Passover uh, uh, and he is coming in to proclaim the coming of the, the Messiah. So they, they take those prophetic uh, messianic prophecies and Elijah's going to be the one that is prophesying. So they say at Passover, before the Messiah comes, Elijah's going to show up at their Passover celebration and he's going to announce, herald the coming of the Messiah. And so I've heard people tell me, before, where in the world did they get that idea from? You know, Where did that come from? Well, this tradition is taken from the third and fourth chapters of Malachi. Right out of the Old Testament. And I'll give you the scriptures. It says here, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. So that's in Malachi chapter 3, verse 1, and Malachi 4 and 5, you see here the prophetic saying that Elijah would be the prophet, would be the voice that would be speaking forth of the coming of the Messiah. Now, for we who know the Messiah has already come and for us who have received the New Covenant and the New Testament, we know that the New Testament teaches us that John the Baptist, when he came, it specifically said he came in the spirit of the power of Elijah. Look at Luke 1.17, the angels prophesying and telling, uh, saying this, he says, the angel of the Lord said, he will also go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah. So he's speaking to Elizabeth and she's got John the Baptist and here's what's going to happen. In Zacharias he said, he's going to come in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So, so uh, that we know was John the Baptist. Who was it? John the Baptist when he pointed out and says, Behold, the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world. He points him out, and he was the one who prepared the way for the coming of the Messiah. So we know that's fulfilled, but in a Jewish home today, they're still waiting on the Messiah, so they're still waiting on Elijah to show up in that empty chair, and that would be exciting, but when he doesn't, at the end of Passover, and Elijah's seat is still empty, they see, you know, well, the Messiah is not coming this year. Uh, because the, the, the forerunner has not come, Elijah has not come, so Jesus is not coming. So they, they get very sad. And these homes, they, they have this tradition at the end of the Seder uh, to, to lament. And they say, next year in Jerusalem. Jerusalem. They say, next year, until then, uh, next year. And they say, a whole year we got to go through. And there will be no Messiah. A whole year we got to go through without any hope. A whole year. So you can imagine why they were excited for Passover to come the next year. So maybe Elijah would show up and then they know the Messiah would come. And it breaks my heart that people are still living and expecting the Messiah today when He has already come, if you know what I'm talking about. Because we, the redeemed of the Lord, we know that at the end of our Passover meal, at the end of our Seder, we're not going to lament, but we're going to rejoice. And we're going to praise. Amen. Because we say the Messiah has come. Hallelujah. He has fulfilled the requirements of the law. He has fulfilled the need of the Passover lamb. He has met all of the requirements uh, and He has obtained eternal life for all who will believe in Him. And we know and we get up and we say, we are the redeemed of the Lord. Now remember, our Passover meal meal is not the salty water, the bitter herbs, it's not the egg, it's not all that. Jesus gave us a new Passover meal so that we could celebrate and re- say that we recognize and we celebrate all of that that was pointing to Him has now been fulfilled in and through Him. So we take the bread and we take the fruit of the vine and at that Passover, the final Passover of Jesus, He set a whole new uh, tradition and He says those who are going to know me no this was my blood my blood is the Passover Lamb's blood and my body was the Passover Lamb's body and it's been shed given and re- for your redemption and when you know that you don't have to do all of that Uh, looking ahead, hoping Elijah is going to show up, hoping that we're going to have some redemption, hoping the Messiah will come and turn things around. He said, now you take the cup and you take the broken bread and you celebrate with Thanksgiving because I have already come. Hallelujah. We are the redeemed of the Lord. We are the redeemed of the Lord. Now if that can't get you excited and that can't move you in your seat and move you in your spirit and move you in your faith, well then there may be some leaven of the Pharisees in you, some false teaching still in you that says the Messiah, He can't take care of my problems. The Messiah can't heal my body. The Messiah can't help me in my marriage. The Messiah can't help me with my business. The Messiah can't help me with my children. The Messiah can't help me with my depression. Let me tell you what. You need to purge that leaven out because i'm here to tell you the passover lamb has come and we are the redeemed of the lord and the bible says let the redeemed of the lord say so let the redeemed of the lord say so demon spirits need to hear you say i'm redeemed There are demonic spirits on assignment to destroy you, but they need to hear that I'm under the protection of the redeeming blood and work and name of the Messiah, Yeshua. He is my God. He is my Deliverer. And I'm not waiting for Him to come to make everything right. He has already come. He is my righteousness. Hallelujah. The ransom has been paid. There's no need for you to lament. There's no need for you to go about in defeat. The ransom has been paid. I love 1 Peter 1 and 19. It is my 911 backwards 100%. We have been, have been, have been, have been. Have been, have been, not going to be, not hope to be, but have been. I tell you, that verse, you got to get it in your spirit. Uh, we have been, we have been, we have been. It's a done deal. We have been. Not no empty seat at my table, not no empty plate at my table, not no empty cup at my table. I'm not needing a John the Baptist in the spirit of Elijah to tell me the Messiah is come in, that my redemption's on the way. My redemption's not on the way. My redemption has already been here 2,000 years ago and it is here to stay. it has been, has been, I have been, we have been, you have been redeemed with the precious blood of Christ. That's Passover language. That's Passover language. If you study that in the original language, it screams at you, this is Passover language that blood of that spotless lamb without blemish under a year of age that you kept and got to know intimately and then killed it. its blood was shed for your household. He says this blood of the lamb, the spotless lamb without blemish and without spot, this precious blood of Christ is the fulfillment of that which it was pointing to. The blood of these little four-legged lambs was pointing to one day, one day, the Lamb of God's coming one day the Lamb of God will shed his blood and that's precious blood that blood will do what we only give you hope of today. We give you hope that this blood will cover and this blood will help you hold on until the Messiah comes. And look at that empty chair. We're still waiting on Elijah. We're still waiting on the prophet who's going to come and announce that that lamb's coming. We need to know. And when he announces it, then we're going to receive that lamb and that lamb's going to change our life. And they still lament because they don't recognize that that is already taken place. But today, I see a lot of Christians lamenting. A lot of Christians depressed. A lot of Christians defeated. A lot of Christians not willing to take and step out in faith and take on the supernatural. They want to live comfortable. They want to live hiding behind the shadows. They're afraid of the devil. They're afraid of demons. They're afraid of, of what the devil might do, what people might say. When I hear that you know that the Messiah has come and that it was John the Baptist who in the spirit of Elijah announced his coming and we know it was Jesus and Jesus came and shed his blood then you and I can take the words of Jesus to bank and he says all authority over all the power of the enemy I give unto you and he by no means shall harm you so I'm going to hold on to what the spotless lamb of God I'm going to hold on to the the redeeming work of Jesus and you're not going to get me off-center there. Circumstances won't get me off-center there. Uh, people's bad lamenting won't get me off center there I know there's a warfare going on and I know it ain't fair but I know who the winner is and I'm on the winner's side and I'm covered in the blood of Jesus and that blood is not only covered but is redeemed that means the ransom has been paid the devil don't have a hold on me the devil don't have a control over me. The devil's not telling me my destiny. My destiny comes from the Lord. The devil's not telling me my limitation. My God said He has taken off all the chains and His yoke is easy and His anointing breaks off that evil yoke and that His anointing lifts the burden. So I'm going to stand center and say, wait a minute, I am redeemed. This is a done deal. I've been redeemed. I've been redeemed. I've been redeemed you better get that empty chair out of this table you better get that empty plate and that empty cup I'm not waiting on an Elijah to tell me my Messiah is coming my Messiah is here my Messiah is living enthroned in my life and his blood has redeemed me hallelujah hallelujah so now having eternal life we must look forward with confidence to to a a return of Christ, which is His second coming. Because He says, as you prepare a place, and you prepare your heart, and you prepare the food, and you prepare for my return, let me tell you what, I too am going to leave you, but I won't leave you as orphans. I'm going to send you my Spirit the same Spirit that raised me from the dead is going to dwell in your mortal body, is going to quicken your mortal body. The things you've seen me do, you're going to do. You'll even be able to do greater things than I did because I'll be in all of you. And not all the time. He said, but I'm going and I'm going to prepare a place for you. That when I prepare this place, I will come again. And I will receive you with me that you might be with me forever. Amen. And Paul tells us that in the twinkling of an eye, that the dead in Christ shall rise first and we who are alive and remain shall be caught up To meet Him in the air. Jesus is coming in the clouds and He's going to meet Him in the air and you and I are going to be raptured and we're going to spend eternity with the Lord. We need to prepare for the return of the Lord. And that's not preparing for His first coming. This is preparing for that rapture which will then set the stage for His second final coming, when He's going to make everything right, everything wrong is going to be made right, there'll be a renewed heaven and a renewed earth, and let me tell you what, every plan of God is going to succeed, and we know that in the end, there will be a cessation of Satan and his demons, and they will not be here anymore. But He cast into the eternal abyss forevermore. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So instead of going from our Passover season and lamenting, Elijah didn't show up. And because Elijah didn't show up to announce the coming of Jesus, the Messiah, we got another year, hard year. We got another sad year. He's not coming to help us. Rome can do what they want. The devil can do what he wants. The enemy can enslave us. The enemy can take from us whatever they want. Our Messiah is not here. He's not here. How dare you allow that spirit and that understanding in your life this day? Because John the Baptist in the spirit of Elijah came and announced, behold the Lamb that comes to take away the sins of the world, to redeem you, to give you the power to overcome He didn't say you would be an overcomer. He said in him you would be more than an overcomer. That means you got to overcome some stuff. Oh, there's some negative in your life. Yeah, there's a real devil. There's a real devil. I met with someone recently and and I was sharing with him. I said, however you represent God, make sure it's truth. And they said, yeah, right. And I said, here's one of the greatest lies that I've seen told about my God. And I said it makes me angry because it's such an evil lie. It is such a demonic-sourced lie. I said, "What is it?" I said, "Well, we blame God. We get mad at God. We get pouty with God when things don't work out. When we have loss. When we have setback." I said, "This is the 21st century." We got Bibles on our phones. We got Bibles on our iPads. We got Bibles on our notepads. We've got Bibles coming out of our ears. We got Bibles up here on the screen, too. Come on now. We got Bible everywhere. And did not Jesus say, I have not come to kill, steal, and destroy? He said, The devil! The devil comes but to kill, steal, and destroy. And I have come to give you life and life more abundant. So if there's any loss, there's any destruction, there's any death, it is sourced from hell, and if God, the devil tricks you and makes you think it's God, you won't fight the devil. you just get mad at God. It's Like, now, how are you going to fight God? Well, if God wants me sick, well, i got to live with it. If God wants me this or that, i just got to learn to live with it. No! If that's abundant life, if it's, if it's not, it's from the devil. And you need to learn to fight it. But fight in the right arena. Fight in the right arena. Don't be the basketball player that gets mixed up on the court and runs to your opponent's side and and scores a basket. If you're going to score, score on our basket. Come on now. It's this way. Halftime we switched. We're not going that way anymore. Go this way. And I see folks do that so much. It's like they're scoring for the enemy. Because not only are they not fighting the enemy, they are adding, because now they're mad at God. They're telling everybody how mad at God they are. They're telling everybody how God has mistreated them and how God has let them down and how God... Let me tell you what. And and how can you win that way? Oh, that we would see and recognize the lie. Here the Jewish people are still bound with a lie. We're still waiting on Elijah and lamenting going to be a bad year. Elijah didn't show up. Jesus is not. Yeshua's not coming. And Jesus is like, I'm here. I came to my own. I've come to you. But the eleven of the Pharisees and the 11th of the Sadducees turned. You didn't even turn you away from me. You didn't even recognize me. You did. I came to my own and you received me not. And now we're like, wow, the Jewish people, they're really They're really behind time. Don't you go pointing fingers at them until you first look at the four fingers pointing back at you. Where are you living out a lie? This is just the way things is. I just got to learn to live with it. It's like you're waiting on Elijah, lamenting. We got to rise up and not only be more than overcomers, but more than conquerors. Conquering means you taking something that you don't have right now. So we're not just surviving. We're advancing. We're not surviving. We're advancing. Because you remember he says, go and prepare for this miracle moment. Go and prepare. John, Peter, faith and love get together. Because faith and love is how the miracles manifest. And go up. To Jerusalem. And when you get to Jerusalem, go up the stairs into the upper room. Go up, go up, because I'm going to take you up. And oh, I wish we would get that in our spirit tonight. That no matter where I'm at, God's got more. You're like, I don't, I'm just satisfied. I don't want to trouble God. God showed me one time that if all of the earth, six, seven billion people, were to pull on heaven at the same time like a 20-ton air conditioner and its compressor kicking in, which will dim the lights of a building for a second. Seven billion people pull on God with their biggest need they have at the same moment. He said the lights of heaven won't even flicker. He said, I'm God. Don't limit me. I'm a limitless God. Oh, that you would be stirred tonight to believe God for more. to to let your faith tap in with your love and say, I'm reaching out and I want to advance the kingdom. I want to advance my family. I want to advance what I'm doing for God's glory. Not just surviving. Because the chair has been filled. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. It's been filled. And we're not waiting and lamenting. We are rejoicing. Amen. So let's prepare the place. Prepare the food, prepare our heart, and prepare for the return of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Come on, let's give God some praise in the house. Hallelujah. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Let's stand together. Father God, we just thank you tonight, Lord, and I pray that even during the preaching of this Word, that your Holy Spirit and this spotlight has helped us to identify maybe there's some areas in our life, some leaven in our life, some, some, some bad belief, uh, some, some bad lack of hope, maybe some things that we're allowing, some thought processes, some things that, that we're doing that we know is not pleasing to you. Lord, I open this altar now, and if there's anybody here tonight, says I, find, I found a crumb that has some leaven in it. There's some things, some thought processes, That I want to change. There's some things that, words that I've been throwing out that I don't need to, I need to get it on the altar. I want you to just bring it to the altar. This is our cleanup time. This is our preparation time. Lord, I bring it to you. I bring my unbelief. I bring when I've doubted you. I bring those negative words that I've said. I bring, Lord God, uh, that that burden that I've been carrying. You told me to cast it upon you because you care for me. I'm not leaving here with that burden on my back. I'm not leaving here with that doubt in my mind. I'm not leaving here with that attitude not right with you, Lord God. I'm not leaving here with that. I'm not leaving here with this bad thought in my mind. I'm coming to you, God. I'm coming to you, and I'm bringing, I'm coming up, I'm coming up, I'm coming up out of my chair, I'm coming up out of my misery, I'm coming up out of my sadness, I'm coming up out of my bondage, I'm coming up out of my pain, I'm coming up out of my loss, I'm coming up out of my hurt, I'm coming up out of my disappointment, I'm coming up out of my depression, whatever it is, I'm coming up out of it, and I'm putting it on this altar. I'm not taking this junk home with me. I'm going home to 11 free Unleavened house, unleavened mind, unleavened heart, unleavened uh, 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 processes in my life. I'm not carrying it home. I'm leaving it here on this altar tonight. Holy Ghost, help me to sever. Help me to identify it. Help me to put it here. I am am loving you, God, that you love me so much that you're giving me this opportunity right now to get this thing. Sanctify me, Lord God. Hallelujah. Help me to separate myself unto you and from this that has been hindering me, from this that has been causing me uh, uh, to be held back, that has been causing me bondage, that has been causing me sadness in my life. I'm giving it to you, Lord. I'm laying on this altar right now. Lord, I bring it to you. Thank you, God, that you've given me a place that I can, I can put this junk, that I can put this stuff that causes this pain. Thank you, God. I leave it here right now. Lord, I thank you. And God, this, this toxins I'm laying on this altar that's been affecting me, these toxins that has been affecting my spouse, these toxins that has been affecting my health, these toxins that's been affecting my, my wealth, these toxins that's been affecting my family, these toxins that has been affecting my attitude, I leave them here. I leave them here. Sanctify me, Holy Spirit. Sanctify my heart. Circumcise my heart, God. Cut it away." Cut away any unholy thing. Cut away any doubt. Cut away any fear. Just just do surgery on me tonight, God. Cut it off. Lord, anything that's not pleasing to you, anything that's not helping me grow and helping me succeed in what you've called me to do, cut it off. Cut it off, Lord. Do a surgery right now as I'm here at your altar. Lord, and I'm here because you are Lord. I'm yielding my life to You, Your Lordship, Your authority, Your power, and Your wisdom. So just move, God. Move in me. Move through me. Lord, there's power in preparation. And I want to prepare myself that by Friday, this Friday, Lord God, as we celebrate Passover, Lord, we will celebrate it with such authority. We will celebrate it with such joy We will celebrate it with such victory. And even between this Wednesday and Friday, that we'll celebrate it with a new testimony. A new testimony of something amazing that you have done. Because this night, we allowed you to circumcise our hearts and to cut off and cut out and help us purge and help us remove and help us deal with and help us rearrange things according to your order. Hallelujah. So, Lord God, thank you. Thank you for this opportunity to be able to come before you and to lay it here on a place where your Holy Spirit will do great and mighty things in and through me, Lord. Lord, I am yours. Here am I. Have your way in me, Lord. Have your way. Have your way in my family, Lord. Have your way, God, in my life. Hallelujah. 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 Lord, I'm here before you, Lord. I'm here before you, Lord. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, have your way. Have your way, Lord. Help me to remove it. Help me to untie it. If it's tied to me, help me untie it right now. Lord, if it's chained to me, break those chains. Break those chains, Lord. Hallelujah. Your anointing breaks chains. Break those chains off my life. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Let's have your way, Lord have your way Lord yes hallelujah hallelujah yes thank you Lord thank you Lord just going to give you another few moments if sound if you guys could help uh, bring that up a little that volume up a little we're just going to give them a few more moments here few more moments for you to just let the Lord do this work help let work with him partner with him if y'all could bring it up a little more please yes thank you thank you hallelujah hallelujah thank you Lord thank you Lord Lord have your way have your way Lord have your way Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yes, Lord. Have your way. Have your way, Lord. that circumcision of heart take place cut it out God cut it out God I don't want to take it home with me I want to leave it right here I want to leave it right here yes Lord Properly prepare there's power in preparation As we prepare to go, I'm asking everyone here to make this commitment, if you will, if you're comfortable in making this, make this commitment to the Lord, that God, I'm asking you, if you show me anything between now and Passover, you show me anything that needs to go, anything that I need to stop doing or anything I need to start doing, Lord, if there's any leaven in my life, I'm just asking you, God, if you'll show it to me, I'm already committed to taking care of it if you'll make that commitment to the Lord. Will you trust Him enough that even before you know what it is, that you know He loves you so much, and if He shows it to you, that it's only for your good, and you're willing to trust Him that much and say, God, even before I know what it is, if you show it to me, and I know you're telling me to to stop that or to to let that go or whatever, I'm going to let it go because, God, I want to honor you and serve you. Will you make that commitment, not to me, but to Him? God, I trust you so much that not only between now and Passover, but for the rest of my life, you show me, God, and if it's not for me, even though it may not be a bad thing, but if it's not for me, you show me, and Lord, I'm going your way. I'm going with you. Amen? Amen? Father, we just thank you, Lord. You heard the commitment of your people, Lord. As they say, they love you so much and they trust you so much and they believe in you so much that they're willing to say yes, that they will obey you even before they know what you're going to ask them to do. Lord, you heard their commitment, Lord, and I know it puts a smile on your face. Lord, I pray as we lead this stuff at this altar this night, Lord, that you by your blood, you take care of it, you would annihilate it, you would, uh, you would cause it to completely be cast as far as the east is from the west never to be brought up again in the depth of the sea. Lord, we thank you. You're going to take care of it. We don't have to clean up this altar. You're going to take care of it. Your blood has already provided redemption for that. Hallelujah. So, Lord God, we're going out of here not lamenting tonight, but we're going out of here rejoicing because we know you, our Savior, has already come. And you live in us, and you're going to live through us, and we give you praise, and we give you honor. So bless now your people, I pray, as we go into this night. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said... Amen! Amen!